Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Sadie Spills the Tea, episode eight, little special edition, because we have to cover the entire interview um, that Oprah did with Harry and Megan. Um, I know I touched on a little bit about what kind of went down in the interview on um, the typical Tuesday podcast that came out earlier this morning, but there's just too much information to unpack, right? It was a two-hour interview. Yes, I took, you know, oodles and oodles of notes, um, and I feel like we need, to, we need to give the attention that it deserves to this interview, um, not only because it was great, but because Oprah, Harry, and Megan are kind of my neighbors, right? They live in Montecito, which is the town that's like in Santa Barbara County. It's just like a little north or a little south, um, but they're kind of our neighbors, and it kind of hits home now that they live there, so just another reason that they deserve a full episode. Um, So I'm going to get into it. Of course, this is my interpretation. These are my notes that I took. Um, Again, there's two hours, so there's so much to unpack. Um, I'm sure I'm not going to be able to touch on, you know, every single little bit, but I definitely want to go ahead and address some things, get my thoughts. Um, And to be honest, the only way to really get through it all is to kind of just start at the beginning of the interview and then go through it. Um, They kind of bounce around. There's some themes here and there, but I figure we'll just kind of dive dive in from the start. Um, And so if you didn't watch it, then you can have that full kind of recap and we'll make sure that we touch on everything that was really crucial. So first need to say hats off to Oprah um, for being able to even do this interview. Obviously, they're neighbors. They live down the street from each other, so it wasn't hard, especially in quarantine. Um, But Oprah asked the hard-hitting questions. She's the perfect person to do this. Um, I read somewhere that Megan had only met Oprah once before inviting her to the wedding, which I didn't know Oprah was there. So that's just like another little connection. They obviously feel comfortable with her um, to be able to have this conversation in general. Again, Oprah is the queen. I don't know why she isn't doing more interviews. I do her times, you know, valuable, but this one just really came through for us. So to dive right in, um, of course, it is set in Harry and Megan's backyard. Um, It's this beautiful, like, sandstone um, kind of setting with these couches, and they have, I'm going to butcher the name, it's like a pergola, um, that type of, like, awning that kind of hangs over them, like, indoor outdoor vibes. Again, it kind of looks like a Kardashian house. I know people hate that, but it's true. Um, clean decor, the whole thing. Oprah, of course, was wearing this, like, kind of purpley pink outfit. She had a sweater with the, you know, white collar poking out, and then a skirt with black boots. Looked very great, very very appropriate. Um, And then Megan was in this like black long sleeve kind of wrap dress. Of course, she's pregnant, right? Um, So it looked comfortable for her. It had these like white flowers up on the sides of the shoulders and she had a necklace on that was like a pendant. Um, Her outfit's getting backlash, but then someone looked it up and the dress, of course, is like, you know, $3,000. The the necklace is expensive, but she had on um, a um, I'm gonna. Why are the words coming to me now? Sapphire bracelet from Diana on her left hand, next to a Cartier love bracelet, etc. So that was noted that she was wearing Diana's jewelry. So honestly, Oprah kind of jumps right in. She just says, "Okay, so let's talk about meeting the Queen for the first time." Um, <clears throat> it's important to keep in mind the narrative and the tone um, that Harry and Meghan speak about the entire royal family throughout. Um, this two-hour interview, right? They're very respectful of them. They're very careful with their words and how they describe people or how they're describing interactions. So this was kind of the first first time I realized, oh, they're they're not going to go ham on, you know, how they really feel, um, but they're going to give us enough details. So um, 
Oprah asks what it was like meeting the queen for the first time. Megan tells us that she and Harry were at an event um, doing their own thing and the queen happened to pop by. So Harry casually was like, hey, we're going to go meet my grandmother. Megan didn't really have any time to stress about it. It was just going to happen. Um, he said, by the way, you're going to need to curtsy. Do you know how? And she says, no, I, I don't know how to curtsy. I kind of thought that was something that, you know, you did behind closed doors. I didn't realize that was a public thing. Um, graciously, Harry, you know, teaches her how to curtsy right then and there on the spot outside the car. And then they walk in and she meets the queen. She said the interaction with the queen was very, very cordial, very simple. She met her. She was kind. Um, she didn't really give us any details about that. But then Oprah, of course, follows up with, you didn't know how to curtsy? Like, did you not do any research on the family? And Megan was like, no, I, I didn't do any research. Whereas most of us would like start Googling shit out of the person, right? Before you even go on a date these days, you have their whole um, FBI information pulled up, you know, where they worked, who they dated previously, et cetera. So I think that was just something interesting that Megan says is that she didn't do a lick of research on them. Um, you know, to each their own, I guess, right? Um, so then next, Oprah kind of jumps into the headline of Megan Makes Kate Cry. Um, this was a tabloid that got publicized everywhere. I know I clicked on it a few times. Um, Megan actually says that this is the reverse. Um, it happened over their wedding. It happened when they were discussing the bridesmaid dresses. In this case, the only bridesmaid was Charlotte, Kate's daughter. Um, so the way that they just, just say like bridesmaid dresses issue is like, it's really over Charlotte. Um, Megan addresses the fact that it was actually Kate who made Megan cry. Um, she doesn't really give that many details. You can tell she's really reserved. She doesn't ever want to bash Kate. Um, she says that she and Kate had a conversation about Charlotte's dress. Um, and Kate, you know, didn't, didn't say very kind things essentially. Um, and Megan actually started crying. She got really upset by it. She was like, it's my wedding. You'd think that, you know, they would just kind of go with the flow. Um, but Megan made a big point to say that Kate apologized. Kate's a great woman, a great mother. Um, Kate brought her flowers and a card and they're on good terms. That was just a quick, you know, swept under the rug. Um, Megan makes a point to just say this because this is the first time that she realized that the media was just going to take anything and twist it. Um, one of her biggest frustrations is that she says that the palace knew exactly how this went down. They knew the truth um, and they let the, the media kind of spin it the way they wanted. She also notes that the stories didn't actually come out until about six months after the wedding um, when it went down, you know, months prior to the wedding. So the timeline on that story is, is really, really interesting. Um, again, Megan is very, very cautious of the way she speaks about Kate, the way she gives these details, um, and is, is very confident about just like, I don't feel comfortable saying that to Oprah and, you know, Oprah, Oprah understands. I think she tries to pry, but you know, knows that there's other subjects she'd rather get more meat on. So then Oprah asks about the comparisons between Kate and Megan. Um, one of the biggest is that, um, Megan and Harry did not do that traditional photo with baby Archie um, right outside of the hospital after they're born. They stand on those steps and they typically announce the baby to the world. Um, Megan says that they were never asked to take that picture. They were never asked to follow in that tradition. Um, 
you know, they, they never said, hey, by the way, after you give birth, this is kind of the step, this is the dress you wear, and this is what we do. Um, they were never asked to do that, and they get a lot of backlash. People ask them all the time why they haven't, um, and Megan was like, we, we weren't asked. That was never really an option for us. Um, that was one of the, another realization, we'll get into them, um, that they realize that they are fully different, right? Um, we're going to get into this, but of course, Megan is the first um, person of color in to, to basically step foot in the palace, right? And that would make Archie of mixed race. Um, so we're going to just leave that there for a second. Um, Oprah then asks what it was like announcing that she was pregnant with Archie, just kind of segueing right in there. Um, Megan says that it was it was really scary to announce to everyone um, that she was pregnant because um, prior to them even getting engaged, prior to Harry even popping the question, um, there were family conversations that Harry was a part of with the other family members and the other people of, you know, the institution, which is what we're calling the entire royal family firm, essentially, right? It, when we say institution, it's not only the immediate family, but the cousins and all of the royal um, relatives. And then, of course, all of the staff that comes with that, like they are a full-blown institution, right? Um, so the conversations that were going down with um, Harry and his family were essentially, what would the color of their children's skin be? How dark would their children's skin be if they were to choose to have children? That was a real conversation that went down. Um, Harry refused to, you know, say the exacts of what the conversation was or um, who was involved with that. He said that would be an assassination of character, which I I understand. Um, just to even hear that they were having those conversations was pretty eye-opening in itself, right? Um, that's when they felt for the first time, oh, they, they really are different. They're treating Megan completely different just because she is a woman of color. Um, and that conversation kind of just spiraled, spiraled their feelings. Um, and, and, you know, just kind of sets the tone for how the institution views Megan and now views Harry, right? So, um, after they gave birth to Archie, um, the firm officially told them that he told Megan and Harry that Archie would not get the title of the prince. Um, historically, the I'm going to butcher the word. It's like the conservation of the hierarchy. Um, typically, the grandson of the person in the throne automatically becomes a prince. In this case, that would be Harry because his father isn't actually the king yet. Um, and so there was like this whole thing that was the exception, like, of course, Archie would be a prince, right? You look at um, all of Kate and William's kids, they're all prince and princesses. So they just assumed he would be a prince. However, um, the firm told him he would not get the title and he would not have any security. This is where things start taking a turn. Um, they said they wouldn't provide security to Archie because he is a mixed race baby, flat out, right? Um, if Megan wasn't of color, then Archie would have security. Archie would be a prince. Um, so that, that kind of just sets the tone, right? Megan openly admits that she doesn't give a flying fuck about a title, right? She was an independent woman. Um, she had a career. She had friends. She was living her open life prior to actually meeting Harry. And so the fact that they're going to strip away a title that, you know, she's unfazed by the titles. But to do that to her son was was another level. Um, so then they kind of go in how Oprah kind of reads off more headlines and talks about how the press 
um, just went 10 times harder on Megan than any other person of the royal history, right? Um, major character assassination and all kinds of headlines. Megan says that obviously she, you know, is kind of trapped in there, that she's not actually physically reading the headlines and whatnot, but she would get texts and calls from her mom, from her friends that were like, Meg, are you okay? Honey, how's your mental health? Like they, she knew that there were horrible things getting said about her without even reading them, right? Um, after so much beating down of the press and essentially not having a voice really um, within the institution, just given that she was now a woman of color, right? Um, she was in a really dark place. She courageously um, says this to Oprah, and obviously this is coming out to the world now, that she told Harry um, in a private conversation that she didn't want to live anymore. She was ready to end her life because she thought that that would solve things. She thought that by um, ending her own life, that, you know, their Harry's life would be better, the institution would get nicer, essentially. Um, and, you know, they talk about how courageous that is, how hard it is to ask for help, to even say those words out loud, right? She said that to Harry the night before they had a pretty big event the next day. Um, Harry, of course, didn't know what to say after you announced that, but he told Megan that, you know, she shouldn't get dressed up and go to this event. Um, and Megan said, to be honest with you, Harry, I'm afraid to be left alone because she was having those suicidal thoughts. And especially after telling him how she felt, um, she didn't want to be left alone. And you know what? I, I, I've never been in that situation, but I absolutely empathize with her. Um, it's hard to be in your own head. And especially when some crazy thoughts are going through that, I can't imagine you wanting to spend more time alone, especially when she spent a lot of time alone, right? She's not allowed to have friends. Socialization isn't a thing. Um, so Harry tells her that she shouldn't go to the event and she says, I don't want to be alone. Um, of course, they flash pictures in the interview of that night. Megan's in this stunning, like navy blue beaded sequin gown. And Oprah says, well, you look stunning. You know, you look like you put on a brave face. And Megan says, the only thing that I can focus on in these photos is how tight Harry's knuckles are wrapped around my hand. He has white knuckles because he was just gripping Megan to know that they were in it together and to make her, you know, hang on a little bit, that they were getting through it together. So, you know, that took the conversation in a whole other direction of that's part of the royalty. That's part of being in the spotlight, right? When you have events, you have to just turn it on. Um, Megan says that night that she, in between acts or in between speeches, she was weeping. Um, but when the lights go on, the tears have to be wiped and she has to be back on her A game. And that's, that's a harsh reality. Um, of living in the spotlight. So after um, that conversation went down and after the event, she basically, the, the two of them decided that it would be best to go ask the firm for some help, right? Um, they approached the firm about getting Megan some mental health resources, whether that be internal, external, whatever that looked like. Um, and the firm quickly rejected saying that it wouldn't be a good look um, if they poured resources into Megan's mental health. So obviously that was a big, big roadblock. She felt pretty diminished um, and then gained the courage to go up to the HR department. Who knew that the palace and the firm had an HR department, but apparently they do. Um, Megan courageously went in there and essentially the HR team said, we feel for you. We understand why you would want help. We understand where you're reaching out. We empathize with you and we're seeing these headlines, but they were unable to help her because she is not a paid member of the royal family. Okay, now that's the second time she's reached out for help and they're, you know, fiercely denying her. So 
Oprah kind of jumps in and, and just says, okay, so now that we're getting this backstory, um, what's the real reason that you left? Is it protection? And Megan says, yes, right? They weren't protected of any sort. Um, the, you know, the, the family didn't come and talk to them. Um, they didn't come and protect them. The communications team didn't protect them. Um, they didn't make any statements about the security going away. They really just didn't have Harry's back at all, which then in turn, you know, Megan's back. Um, so Harry says that he, you know, he did what was best for his family, right? He did for Megan what he wished someone had done for his mom. Um, a big underlying theme here is, is Diana, right? She left the institution, security got taken away, and unfortunately she died. Um, devastation to the world. And I think Harry's doing everything in his power to make sure that that doesn't happen. And obviously after that conversation about the children's um, skin color, I think kind of planted a seed in Harry and he realized, oh, wow, things are quickly unfolding similarly to the way that they were with my mom. Um, and, you know, Harry, every time Harry approaches the situation or asks his family for their insight into protection or security or anything like that, um, the response is really just, this is how things work around here. This is how we've always done them, right? The institution isn't going to change their ways all of a sudden because, someone's getting bullied or, um, you know, Harry doesn't appreciate that the the family isn't actually speaking up and, and correcting the tabloids. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, Oprah straight up asks about the backlash of the interview, right? If they're worried about anything. Um, and Megan goes into the fact that she's already lost so much, right? She had to give up everything. Um, when she stepped foot in the palace, she mentions, she mentions that she gives up her keys, her driver's license, her passport, just mundane everyday things that you and I um, have right next to us, right? A privilege to be able to hop in your car and drive away. She says everything was taken away. Everything that she has known about being an independent woman um, is gone from her. So in terms of them speaking out, she says, I've already lost so much. Like, why, why would I be nervous now, right? Um, they also say, how can they, how can the firm and the family and, the, and just everyone um, expect them to stay silent after they were essentially silenced for so long? Um, I'm sure you've seen that clip. That's a big, it was a big teaser that Oprah did. Were you silent or were you silenced? And Megan says the, the latter of two, right? They were silenced. Um, they were not allowed to communicate. They were not allowed to have a voice. They, they were not, they were silenced just straight up. Um, they asked for help. They asked for the truth to come out, right? Harry addresses the fact that he went, he personally went to the communications team three times, once as a boyfriend, when the headlines were so horrific, just about Megan in general, once as a husband, and then once as a father, and not once did they support either of them. Um, Harry and Megan both wrote emails. They typed up things that they'd like the communications team to send. And of course, nothing, nothing left their inbox, right? So then, um, you know, Megan kind of goes into the takeaway of why they wanted to speak out um, is really just to shed light on their experience, to tell the truth about what has happened, to be able to address some of these headlines head on, like the Megxit that she had planned this entire time, right? Um, she says, now that they're on the other side, life is finally worth living. She was so dark and so depressed and not in a good mental state over there that now seeing her a year later, um, pregnant with baby number two, she's beaming, you know, she's finally finding her voice again. She actually mentions that she watched The Little Mermaid um, and she compares herself to The Little Mermaid in the sense of, you know, The Little Mermaid lost her voice when she found a prince and then she eventually gets it back. Um, and they kind of use that as a metaphor in this because Megan had a voice. She was, you know, on suit. She was 
a humanitarian. She had a lot of things going for her. Um, and she lost her voice when she married Harry, because that's what you do for love, as what she said. Um, and now she's finding her voice again. So we love that it's coming full circle. I've touched on what Harry said. Of course, he pops in and out um, of what I've, I've mentioned, but he joins us for the second half of the interview. Um, and the first thing that Oprah asks is, Harry, you're going to be a father again. Um, they have a cute little interaction and debating who is going to actually reveal the gender. And Harry announces that they're having a baby girl and we are so happy for them. Um, they said that two is done. Now that they have a boy and a girl, it's going to be perfection. And that's a, that's a wrap for them on the kids. So they're going to be a beautiful family of four. Um, Harry kind of goes into his version of it, not his version, but, but the Megxit, right? Oprah addresses that head on. Um, Harry quickly defends Megan, his wife, of course, um, and says, you know, after realizing what a toll, um, everything was doing on Megan's mental health, it started wearing on him. Um, and then of course, when all of that Archie stuff was going down and they decided to strip security, the title, et cetera, Harry realized that, you know, this isn't the conditions that he wants to raise Harry or raise Archie in either. Um, so he went to his family and he addressed the fact that they needed to take a step back for their mental health. Um, they offered to move to a Commonwealth city to remain on duty and, and remain, you know, loyal to, to the institution. Um, but as soon as they got to Canada where they decided to move, um, they got the phone call that all of their security was, was taken away. And Harry mentions, you know, he, he was born into security. He's never lived a life without that. And I think that triggers again, because of his mother, as soon as security got stripped from her, um, that's how she passed away. So that was a big thing for him. So um, this all went down. They moved to Canada at the beginning or maybe late 2019, early 2020. Um, and essentially when COVID kind of hit and was was the the you know lockdown was about to start um harry realized without security he didn't feel safe in canada so they moved to la and randomly they stayed at tyler perry's house um i have to assume that tyler perry and megan were close just from the industry i guess prior to her meeting harry um tyler perry offers his entire house and he also offers them a lot of security while they are there so they take him up on that because they felt safe um, eventually, they moved into a house that they bought in Montecito, aka Santa Barbara, um, using the money that Diana had left Harry. That was a very interesting point. Um, Harry mentions that his mother left him a, a pretty hefty lump sum, um, and he mentions that he's wondering if his mom did that on purpose after her experience, if um, she knew that that was going to, that the events could kind of play out similarly or even worse. Um, and he gives credit to his mom for for being able to be living in a, in a house outside of this, right? And then Oprah kind of jumps into, okay, well, if you have your mom's money, what about this Spotify deal that you signed? What about this Archwell Studios that you've created. Um, and Harry said, to be honest, that was never part of the plan, right? They didn't have a plan. They fully intended on fulfilling the duties and the orders of the institution. Um, but when things took a turn for his wife's sake and his sake and, the, and Archie, the whole thing, right? They had to kind of take a step back and reevaluate. So they didn't have a plan. They didn't really know what was going to happen. Um, and when security was taken away, that was obviously that huge thing for Harry. And he realized, well, I need some money to get security again, right? It's unsafe for him to be walking around. He is royalty. Um, and so that's why they signed the Spotify deal. Harry says that a friend called him and was like, this would be a great idea. Harry looked it over and said, yes. Um, and so they were able to have security again now, right? So he addresses the fact that he's fully come up, cut off from the family. They fully, no expenses, no nothing, no income. 
Um, and so with Diana's money, they were able to buy a house. And now with them signing their own deals, they're able to have security and, and rebuild this life, um, which I think has to be hard, especially if you're used to so much um, and it all gets stripped away from you. And, and now they're rebuilding. Right. So that's the reason that they sign those deals. They don't have an intention on, you know, becoming super famous or being tabloidy people and exploiting things. Um, they just honestly need money. Right. I can I can everyone relate to that. So we kind of wrap up um, with Oprah saying, where are the relationships now? Um, again, the whole narrative throughout the, the interview is they're speaking so kindly of everyone in the family. Um, Harry addresses the fact that he actively talks to the queen. In fact, he probably talks to her more now than they did before, um, which is is really great, right? They make sure that they don't slander her name at all. They make sure that they, knew, that they say, you know, the queen was on board. She knew the plan. She wasn't upset. We didn't do anything to, to hurt her at all. She actually understood that we needed a mental health break. Um, so that's where we are with the queen. Uh, Harry mentions that his father, Prince Charles, um, cut off all communication with him when they moved to Canada. He was so disappointed and, and frustrated and whatnot. And so he cut off all communication with Harry. Um, and now that they're in California um, and, you know, trying to rebuild everything, um, Harry's working on his relationship with his dad. They're, they're rebuilding piece by piece. As Harry says, time heals all wounds, um, kind of leaves it open-ended. And then he addresses um, his brother, William, right? He says, William and I will always be close. We've been through so much together. Um, but right now they're on different paths. They're still close, um, but they're on different paths and they're allowing each other space. So that's kind of where he ends it with William. Um, Want to just go ahead and, and say, right, that the moral of, of the interview was that Harry says the real factor of them leaving was the lack of support. They weren't protected. They didn't feel safe. They didn't feel loved. They didn't feel a part of the family like Harry had previously um, prior to his relationship with Megan, and they weren't receiving the same treatment that William and Kate are with their kids as well. Um, he kind of ends it by saying he believes his mother, Diana, of course, would be really proud of what he's done um, and these decisions that he's made for his family because that's what he was doing, right? What's in best interest for his family. Um, and that's what Diana wanted all along. He ends it by saying his favorite days are typically riding bikes with Archie, um, running around on the beach. Who in Santa Barbara is going to go stalk the shit out of them and go find out if they are on Miramar or Butterfly or Hammonds or, you know, we've got to figure this out. I need to know what beach they're on. Um, but he says that they're just living mundane life. That's our favorite thing to do together. So it ends like that. Um, they show a black and white clip of running on the beach with Archie. It's really, really sweet. Um, and so, yeah, that was the full interview. And then today, Buckingham Palace um, has officially put out a statement that I'm going to go ahead and read. The following statement is issued by the Buckingham Palace on behalf of Her Majesty the Queen. I quote, the whole family is saddened to learn the, extent, the full extent of how challenging the last years have been for Harry and Meghan. The issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. While some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. Harry, Meghan, and Archie will always be much-loved family members. That's the statement. So they spoke out. They responded. And that's kind of where we're at. You know, the, the world is team Harry and Meghan now. I think it's hard to, to not be after understanding what they went through and understanding how they were treated. Um, I have heard some other perspectives from people in the UK saying that how is it fair that Megan's actually speaking out now 
um, after she silenced her family, her dad and her stepsister, half-sister for so long. Um, why now? Why does she get a voice? Do they get a voice eventually? You know, I, I, I see people's sides. Um, again, I empathize so insanely with Megan. I, I can't imagine um, jumping into a, a royal family and having your whole independence stripped away from you and then be treated like garbage, um, not be able to have a voice and feel unprotected, feel unsafe for your child. Um, and to be able to to go through that while you're pregnant, even with all of that backlash, like I have to hats off to Megan. Um, Megan, if you're ever listening, my good friend Haley, who was my old young life leader, she is um, also pregnant with her second child in Santa Barbara. And I think that you guys should probably meet up. Um, Haley won't be a fangirl over you. She'll be your friend. She's a great listener. She's a great partner in crime. Um, so Megan, if you hear me, holler. I would love to hear how you're doing and then, of course, meet up with you in Santa Barbara and have you and Haley become best friends and enjoy your second pregnancy together. Um, just wanted to add that in there because, again, hometown, duh. But that was my recap um, of the interview. You know, I'm sure more things will come out. I'm sure I'll remember other things and maybe I'll plug them into the next week's episode, but just felt like they needed to get their own attention. Um, I appreciate you guys listening if, if you're here and uh, let me know what you'd like to hear next on the next episode of Sadie Spills the Tea.